The air is crisp. The days are getting shorter. Leaves will soon change, and football games are everywhere. That's right. Fall has arrived. Today is the very first day of astronomical autumn. 2021 is already three quarters behind us. Every autumn, we expect certain things. Thanksgiving, beautiful colors, and pumpkin spice. This flavorful phenomenon has exploded in our day, and everywhere we look, we see it advertised. Google recently listed the most popular pumpkin spice-related searches by state. Idaho's top search was sugar-free pumpkin spice syrup. And four states are apparently interested in pumpkin spice ramen noodles. All of this, of course, started with Starbucks. The coffee giant first offered its signature pumpkin spice latte in the fall of 2003. And the rest, as they say, is history. As with all things, the pumpkin spice craze will eventually fade. But Christians can know that there is one thing that will never fade away. Christ's love for us. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus And on this first Wednesday of fall, we're continuing in a series called The Case for Christ. All week, we've been talking with best-selling author and my brother in the Lord, Lee Strobel. Lee was an atheist, a journalist in Chicago, who was upset when his wife came to know Jesus as her Savior. So he set out to disprove Christ. Whatever this is for Leslie, maybe it's not such a terrible thing. I mean, if it brings her comfort... Are you sure it's not something you can live with? Yes, I'm sure. I'm not going to lose my wife and my kids to something that I can't even reason with. No. I can't even pretend to go along with this, right? I mean, you of all people should understand that. I do. And I know that Leslie is a reasonable woman. So I think that reason is probably the best approach. And as always, it comes down to facts and truth. Now, you present her with the facts... And I'm sure she will find her way back to the truth. Meanwhile, my collection is at your disposal. Take your time. Appreciate it, Ray. Oh, Lee, one more thing. I'll be praying for you. That's not even funny. (laughs) That's Mike Vogel playing Lee Strobel in the film called The Case for Christ. Lee thought for sure he could show his wife the facts that Jesus had not risen from the dead or that he was a myth. But God was the one who was actually teaching Lee. You know, God calls us in different ways based on, I think, who we are and how he's kind of wired us up. And for me, I needed the evidence. I needed the facts. I needed to know for sure that this is true. And so after two years of doing that, of using my investigative skills to check out the evidence, I came to the point on November the 8th of 1981 where I just was alone in my room and I put down all of the evidence on a yellow legal pad and just sat back and said, literally, in light of this evidence, it would take more faith to maintain my atheism than to become a Christian. And then I read John 1, 12. It says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Wow. And so then I got it. I got the point that, okay, I believe this, that Jesus rose from the dead, uh, based on the evidence, but I had another step. I had to receive this gift of his grace this gift of forgiveness and eternal life that he purchased on the cross when he died as my substitute to pay for all of my sin. And so I prayed and confessed a lifetime of immorality and uh, received this free gift of forgiveness and eternal life. And um, 
became, according to John 1.12, a child of God. Lee Strobel, talking about how he came to know Christ as his Savior. He'll be back with us in just a moment to talk more about this movie and share some behind-the-scenes insights about the case for Christ and how God was at work, even during filming. After the program, I want to send you a copy of the DVD called The Case for Christ. This is a well-produced, critically acclaimed film. It's a great resource that shows how Christianity stands up to the hardest questions, and I believe it'll build your confidence in the Word of God. Plus, the DVD includes special features and interviews. So after this program, would you call us? Would you make a generous gift to this listener-supported ministry? And we'll send you the DVD right away, The Case for Christ. Our number for after the program is 800-654-2836. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Or they're on our website, haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And you can watch the movie trailer and a couple of excerpts from this film. And just before we get started, I'd like to invite you to become a Haven partner. This is someone who's a friend of the ministry, who agrees to pray regularly and give automatically monthly to help us keep sharing the great story. When you call or go online, you can learn more about how you can help us every month. Now let's open the program with Ryan Stevenson and the Gospel. A restless generation, we're turning over every stone, hoping to find salvation. In a world that's left us cold Can we get back to the altar Back to the arms of our first love There's only one way to the Father And He's calling out to us To the captive it looks like freedom To the orphan it feels like home To the skeptic it might sound crazy To believe in a God who loves It's the good news for us all It's greater than religion It's the power of the cross So can we get back to the altar Back to the arms of our first love
gospel is not that we can receive Jesus into our lives, but that he's already received us into his. In my own life, it means forgiveness when I know I deserve the fall. It called me out of my darkness and carried me to the cross. In a moment, my eyes were open in that moment. As much as I would like to help a fellow skeptic, what you're proposing is completely impossible. But how can you say that? I mean, if Charles Manson can turn his followers into murderous zombies, surely the followers of the Christ cult could be convinced of their own delusions? Listen, hallucinations are like dreams. They happen in individual minds. They don't spread like the common cold. Okay, so a hypnotist turns a stage full of insurance salesmen into into clucking chickens, then that's, that's not really happening, or...? No, of course it is. The power of suggestion can be very profound, but it's one thing to be mesmerized into making animal noises. It's quite another for 500 people to have the same dream. To be honest, that would be an even bigger miracle than the resurrection itself. And without an empty tomb, you and I, we're not even having this conversation. If Jesus recovered from his injuries, that solves that problem. All these people could have easily seen him, yes? Yes, but I'm afraid that's not a brain issue. You need to speak to a medical doctor. Of course. Dr. Waters, again, thank you for your time. You've been most gracious. A scene from the feature film The Case for Christ. That was Academy Award winner Faye Dunaway playing Dr. Roberta Waters as Lee Strobel, played by Mike Vogel tried to dismiss how so many people saw Jesus alive after he died. And before that, there was The Gospel by Ryan Stevenson. You're listening to Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris. And in a moment, we're going to look at God's Word and see how the Gospel becomes beautiful to those who are called by the Spirit. But first, I asked Lee Strobel what it was like to work with Faye Dunaway and the entire cast of The Case for Christ. Oh, we had such great time making it. You know, one of the things that people will notice in the movie is that Faye Dunaway, the Academy Award winner, is in the film. And uh, she uh, is sitting the whole time in the movie. And you may wonder, <laughs> hmm, she plays a professor. Why is she sitting the whole time at her desk? The reason is the week before we filmed it, she broke her ankle very severely. Wow. 
And but she's the old school Hollywood, you know, actress who says, I'm committed to being in this film. She said, I want to be in a faith based <laughs> film because my faith has come alive in recent years. And so uh, she got on an airplane. She flew in, but she had to sit the whole time. Oh, my goodness. And between takes, she had to elevate her ankle, and somebody had to rub it. She was in a lot of pain. Um, So God bless her for not giving up and saying, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do it. The show must go on. The show must go on, exactly. Which is a very interesting thing, because you make a movie uh, in Hollywood, you're going to get people helping you make the movie that don't really know Jesus. Right. So you had an opportunity to be a Christian there as well, didn't you? Absolutely. Leslie and I went to the set for much of the filming, and we saw this as a ministry opportunity to serve uh, all the people behind the scenes and the actresses and actors, some of whom were not believers. And so what we did, uh, we had a prayer um, at the beginning of every uh, day of filming. It was voluntary, but everybody participated. And then I gave everybody a copy of my book, The Case for Christ. Uh, We had a lot of personal conversations. And uh, toward the end, the hairdresser pulled Leslie and I aside, and she said, I hope you understand that behind the scenes, at lunch and everywhere, all these spiritual conversations have been going on. That's great. So we're excited that this is a ministry not just to the viewers of the film, but also to the cast and crew. Lee Strubble, thank you for joining me on Haven Today again. My pleasure. My brother in the Lord, Lee Strobel, talking about the Case for Christ movie about his life. Stick around, and I'll share with you how you can get a copy of this wonderful film. Well, yesterday, we talked about the evidences for the resurrection, which was what ultimately led Lee Strobel to the Lord. But we also remember the fact that there's more than one way the Lord draws us to himself. Not more than one way to Christ, but more than one way he draws us to Christ. I want us to look at another case for Christ. Not evidences of the historicity of the resurrection, but evidence of the transforming work of the Spirit and how that power makes Christianity not only true, but attractive. I'll even use the word beautiful. The Christian French philosopher Blaise Pascal once said, People despise religion. They hate it and are afraid it may be true. The cure for this is first to show that religion is not contrary to reason, but worthy of reverence and respect. Next, make it attractive. Make good people wish it were true and then show that it is. I want to think a bit about that second step together today, making Christianity attractive, just how powerful it can be to bring someone to a saving faith with the Lord. It's the case for Christ that brings conversion for many people. There are times when the evidence is stacked up and thoroughly convincing, but people still walk away because they haven't been convinced that Christianity is beautiful, that it's worth believing. What could Pascal mean by making the gospel attractive? What could make good men wish it were true? Well, I can think of a lot of ways that we can make the gospel thoroughly unattractive. A perfect example being the white supremacy on display in Charlottesville last weekend. Racism makes the gospel unattractive. Photos of the protest revealing picket signs scrawled with misused Bible verses. That's precisely the thing that makes the gospel repulsive. Not that it changes the gospel itself, of course, but it's not worthy of it. It doesn't adorn it. Another broader example of making the gospel unattractive is when we fail to take the truth of the gospel 
and apply it to our day-to-day lives. A grasp of the gospel that leads us to do good for others and please the Lord is one of the strongest cases for Christ that I think there is. Sometimes we get discouraged because we rate our relationship with the Lord in terms of our obedience. And I'm not talking about that kind of application here. I'm talking about what Paul says in Titus 2. Titus, left in Crete, where the peddlers of false Christianity were giving a bad picture of Christianity. It's in Titus 2, where Paul tells Titus what an attractive Christianity should look like. I'll pick it up in verse 2 of chapter 2. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. In verse 9, chapter 2 of Titus, he speaks to the unique and temporary situation of slaves in the first century. Today, I think we can apply this to a good workplace ethic. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted. So what am I trying to say here coming out of this scripture passage? Well, in talking about Christians, in every way, they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. That's what's coming through here. You see, sometimes the most compelling case that can be made is the case that Christianity is beautiful, because God is at work in his people by a spirit, and that's very good. Paul quotes in Titus 1, one of the Cretan philosophers, summing up the situation on this little island in the Mediterranean. One of Crete's own prophets has said it. Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. This saying is true. It's almost as if he said, you said it, not me. But what a sad case for Christ our lives make. If people want to say and say it loudly or carry it on banners, Christians are always fill in the blank. Racists, homophobic, misogynist. Doesn't matter how much evidence you stack up in favor of the resurrection of Christ. If his resurrection doesn't actually redeem his people, not just from the condemnation of sin, but also from the control of sin over their lives as grace makes them brand new. Well, that's what grace does when it appeared in Christ and when it captures our hearts. Titus 2.11, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness, to worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed, beautiful, might I say, hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us 
from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. Now that is a text you can take to the bank and hang on to. Being eager to do good, it's becoming more rare in our culture today. It's odd. It's different. And it's the best way to make the gospel attractive. Not by repacking the gospel in culturally relevant terms, though I have no problem with that if it doesn't change the heart of the gospel message. Not necessarily by having the latest and greatest technology in your church service, though I enjoy modern music played with joy to the Lord, just like I enjoy more traditional music, maybe even played by a pipe organ. No, I think these things are surface level when we really ought to consider how our lifestyle reflects those who have been saved, not by works, but grace, and transformed by grace into something beautiful. Maybe you're hearing all this and you're saying to yourself, how can I do it, Charles? If my way of living makes the gospel attractive, we're in bad shape because I mess up all the time. Well, I'm there with you. I hear you. I feel the same way. But Do you know how we go forward in obedience to the Lord, making the gospel beautiful? By never forgetting the gospel. Paul told Titus, stress these things. And here, these things are nothing less than the gospel of grace in Jesus. Stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. See, If it's not you and your own power that will make the gospel beautiful, it's the power of the gospel as the Spirit works deeper into your heart that'll motivate you and enable you to be a case for Christ that may bring someone to the Lord because of the irresistible beauty of God's transforming love and His grace by grace alone. This is Haven Today and a program called The Case for Christ. Lee Strobel is brutally honest. If he could disprove the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he could persuade his wife to stop being a Christian. As an atheist, he had many questions like, was Jesus just a myth or how reliable is the New Testament? Maybe you've faced some of these questions. Maybe you've even asked them yourself. Well, as you just heard, Lee struggled to find the answers. And in the feature film based on his life called The Case for Christ, 
it retraces his own spiritual journey to meet Jesus. This film is well-produced. It includes two Academy Award-winning actors. It'll be a wonderful resource that'll show you how Christianity stands up to the hardest questions. It'll also grow your confidence in God's Word. Would you call us right now? Would you be as generous as you possibly can? We are a listener-supported ministry, so we could really use your support. When you do get in touch with us and make your gift, we'll send you right away a copy of the DVD, The Case for Christ. And this DVD includes several bonus features, like an interview with Lee and Leslie Strobel. Would you call us right now? And the number to call is 800 6 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit our website. That address is haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And if you go to the website, and I hope you can, watch the movie trailer and some excerpts from this inspiring film. And one last thing. How about praying about becoming a Haven partner? A Haven partner is a friend of the ministry who agrees to pray regularly and give automatically monthly to keep sharing the great story with others. When you call, just say, I want to become a Haven partner. Learn about some of the special benefits we have for our partners by calling us there at 800-65-HAVEN. Or you can also read about it by visiting us at haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you so much for joining us. Come back again tomorrow, won't you? But again, we get to share together the great story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. For your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Peter didn't know what he was saying. That's what Luke tells us in chapter 9 of his Gospel as he relates the story of Christ's transfiguration. Can you imagine it? Going up the mountain, just like Moses all those years before, and suddenly being surrounded by God's glory. And then Christ, in all his glory, appears in front of you simply awe-inspiring. Peter was starstruck, but he didn't want to leave. It's good that we stay here, he said, and in that moment we learned something. We aren't meant to escape the world or isolate ourselves in our own glory bubbles. Instead, full of awe and the Spirit with us, we can go back down the mountain. We can proclaim the good news. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.